Okay. So we're going to be in John chapter 5 this morning. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And just a context or summary, what is Jesus doing now? And if you want to see an overview of what or visual of where Jesus is in the back of your Bibles, if you turn in the back of your Bibles, there's actually something called a map. And in this map, you can actually see where Jesus is going from here to there as he's traveling, doing ministry. And one of the things that I heard when I was a long time ago was a pastor say, you better be teaching from Genesis to the maps, right? So I'm crossing that off on my bucket list this morning. And um, so in, in John chapter 4, Jesus was doing two different miracles. One of the miracles we see is in... Um, was actually the wine, and that's in John chapter 2. He turns water into wine. And then in John chapter 4, he actually goes, he meets the Samaritan woman, and he also meets this official son. And But these were two different miracles happening in the same place, which was in Galilee. And with that being said, I just wanted to mention, church, that oftentimes in the, in the Gospels, John... In the Gospels, with that being said, in the Gospels, Jesus would oftentimes go away. He would oftentimes go away and spend time praying with the Father. And that's something that I just want to mention before we start, that he would always take his time away from ministry, from whatever he's doing, spending time with his disciples, teaching, preaching, that he would always go away and spend time with the Father, that he would always go and pray to the Father. And if Jesus, being God, needed to go away and spend time, how much more should we and that is an example that Jesus is trying to set. And I'm trying to mention that nobody was busier than Jesus was. And so how these people knew anything of this movement happening or as people, uh, this Jesus movement happening is the things that Jesus was doing. Word was getting out quickly. So people became aware of this movement. It was spreading like how we know COVID, right? COVID spreading. This same movement was happening. This Jesus movement. And so I'm going to read the passage, and we're just going to go through nine verses. This is probably going to be a quick message, but we're just going to read nine verses. So we're going to start in verse 1, and it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind Lame and paralyzed, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once that man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. So we have Jesus. In this story, we have the invalid man, and we have these religious leaders, excuse me. And that's who we're focusing, focusing on this morning. This is that central, this is the audience. And so as Jesus meets this man here at this pool, not only, he not only stirred up the heart of this one man, but he was also stirring up the heart of these religious leaders. And let me just say this, that this miracle wouldn't have caused any problems if it was done on any other day. On, on any other day. But this is what Jesus was doing. He was trying to get the attention of these leaders as he was reaching out to everybody. Jesus came to break what these leaders thought they knew, Jesus being God, but they knew better. I mean, talk about remaining teachable, right? In contest, in contest, context, sorry, this is what was going on. Instead of them rejoicing at this man being healed, they were upset because he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath. 
and therefore breaking the law. The scribes listed 39 things you cannot do on the Sabbath, and it was to be argued that if you wore a wooden leg or fake teeth, it was sin. How silly is that, right? I mean, it's feast day. You have people limping around and not smiling at anybody, right? I mean, I couldn't imagine. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1 through 5, and this is the story we're going to focus on. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonies. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. This man, as we know, probably been here the longest. 38 years, 25 years, 20, 20 years, enough years to get the attention of Jesus. And so we have all these sick people gathered here into one place, but our story this morning directs us to just one person. Just one. I mean, how exclusive is the gospel? It's so personal that it should be speaking to us individually. That every time we read or we hear the word of God, it should speak to us in a very personal way. And my version does not have a verse 4 because it was said that it wasn't translated in earlier manuscripts. But what it does, it gives us an idea. It kind of gives us an idea or an ex explanation of what could have been happening at this pool. And so it would read like this, verse 4, and I think it's in the King James Version. It says, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then... First, after the troubling of water stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease it had. Instant healing. Instant healing. I believe it. I mean, this man would have moved on if nothing was happening, right? He's probably seen many, many, many people being healed and restored. And in the ministry that I'm, that I'm in, I see many, many people come and go. Many, many, many people. And I've seen God restore and heal quick too like this. Boom. But thank God, like this man, the Lord didn't heal me and restore me immediately. Because I went through the ministry of U-Turn for Christ. Thank God for that. I'm still being healed and restored to this day. You can even ask my wife. She'll tell you straight up. <laughs> I mean, we all might be thinking 38 years is a long time to be waiting. I didn't see it back then. I only saw it when I looked back. How the Lord restores and how he was moving in my life. It took some time. It took time. I mean, is that how it is for us to come to the Lord? I mean, we cry out to him and ask for help or just to have a relationship with him. But when we don't see anything, we tend to just kind of walk away. I mean, we start doing our own things. Because I love the ministry of U-Turn Christ, for Christ and Calvary Chapel. Two different ministries, but it's the same. Ministry is the same. We deal with the same problems, just sometimes more than others. And so the question this morning is, are we waiting on the Lord? Are we waiting on the Lord this morning? Because we have a world, we live in a world where everything is instant. We know, microwaves, instant ramen, instant coffee. I want it now. But little did I know, Jesus was coming right around the corner. Verse 6. But when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? I mean, what kind of question is that, right? Who asks a sick person if they want to be healed or they want to get better? I mean, what was Jesus doing? 
And that was the question I was asking. Jesus asked him this question because he simply needed to get this man's attention. That's what it was. It was to get this man's attention. Even, even if Jesus was coming around the corner, did anybody notice him at this pool? I mean, he was walking right in front of them. No. It's because their eyes were so focused on this bubbling jacuzzi or whatever you want to call it that they were too distracted to even notice the presence of God there. Jesus asked him this question so that he would redirect his eyes. So that he would redirect his eyes. It was to take his eyes off of this pool and onto the man speaking to him. I mean, what are we looking at today? What do we think is going to bring healing into our lives? That's a question I ask myself every day. Or what do you think that's going to help us? Is it a better job? Is it making more money? What has all of our attention in this life today? Because if our eyes aren't focused on Jesus, it's focused on something. And so this sick man's response is priceless. It's in verse 7. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. You know, when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. You see, this man had been in this physical condition for so long, it also conditioned his mind. This is what the man was really saying to God. (laughs) I need you to wait with me. And when this thing starts bubbling, who knows when, I need you to throw me into this pool. That's what he's really saying. Let me revise that. God, I know that this thing will help me. I need you to make it happen. How silly. How silly. You see, Jesus came here. He had no interest in putting this man into this pool. He didn't show up for that. Because with us being here in church, Jesus is trying to get our attention. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get my attention. It's so subtle too. It's because these pools, these things, it can distract us. It can distract us from meeting the Lord. Our desires, our interests, our time is consumed by this pool or whatever you want to put it. Say it is, we wouldn't even know if Jesus Christ was right in front of us today. So I want to encourage you. Look what happened as his eyes were fixed on Christ. Verses 8 and 9. Jesus said to him, Jesus said to him, get up. Get up and take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. I want to just point out one thing, that this man wasn't healed by this pool or whatever it was that he thought was going to heal him. This man was healed by God's spoken word. But we're always in God's word. Amen. Every day we're in God's word. I mean, for some of us, every Sunday I hear God's word. Amen. So what's the difference, right? Between me and this man, nothing. Except that he wasn't only listening to God's word. He had to be obedient to God's word. That is our part. As we hear God's word, are we doing God's word? Because I'm sure that this man would have been more comfortable in this position that he was in than to get up and do something different with his life. 
Let me read verse 8 one more time. Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. He didn't say, get up, grab your stuff and stand there. Right? He said, get up. Grab your things and move. Because when Jesus tells us to do something, he doesn't want us to just listen. He expects us to do these things. James says, faith without works is dead. You're not saved by works. You're saved by faith and grace. But let me just ask you this. How would you see the outcome of what the Lord is trying to do in your life if you don't put any work into it? We need to continue to walk. As Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. We need to continue to walk. Jesus said, walk, to work those muscles that's been dead for 38 years, right? He's saying, grab your things. Grab your things because we're not coming back to this place, this spiritual place. Whatever spiritual place you're in this morning, church. He's trying to move us from here to there, from here to there. From glory to glory to glory to glory, as Paul would say. The Lord had me on the ranch for so long at U-Turn for Christ. <laughs> because I was so focused on the things that I could see. I was so focused on the physical. But the Lord was trying to heal the things that I couldn't see. He wanted to heal addiction from my life. He wanted to heal anger, lying, stealing, gossiping, division, immorality, disobedience, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. It's spiritual problems the Lord was removing from my life, church. Those things that only he can remove. It was my heart. It was my heart that the Lord is trying to clean up. So I want to ask you again, are we waiting on the Lord today? Does Jesus Christ now have your attention? And let me just say this again. This man was healed by God's spoken word. He first listened, and then he obeyed. He first listened, and then he obeyed. And let me just tell you this, church, that Jesus will never give you a command that you are unable to do. He commanded this man to do the the impossible, and he was able to do it. So if he put children's ministry on your heart, go ahead and sign up the white sheet, the papers in the back. Whatever it may be. I don't know whatever it looks like for you. And as we come to a closing, as Jesus would find this man later on in the temple, he said to this man, see you are well, sin no more. That nothing worse may happen to you. Church, are you letting the Lord clean you up this morning? Because this is what happens when you get saved. That there is a sanctification process that starts to happen. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. That more than just the physical healings and the things we can see, He wants to clean up our hearts. The things that we cannot see. Are we letting the Lord work in us this morning? Do we have a desire to look more like Jesus every single day? To be that example to our friends, family, kids, whoever it may be, to our wives, to our husbands. And so often, like these people in the pool, 
I just wanted to end with this. We can get healed and restored and still not know who Jesus is. We can see miracles in our lives every day and still not know who Jesus is. And that's heavy. My desire for you, church, is to have a personal relationship with him. That's it. It's to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want you to know that this morning that Jesus Christ is trying to get your attention. Amen? Amen.